Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome. Glad to see you here. Ah, hope you had a good week. Praise God. It's good to come together and uh, get refreshed, get in the presence of God. Actually, God's everywhere anyway, so. But it's a good thing to come together and worship as a body of believers. Uh, get, get our batteries charged. Can you say amen? Praise God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, this morning, I thank you for the privilege to speak to your people. God, I thank you for the message that you gave me, God, to touch our lives and to just minister to us. I take authority and dominion this morning over every thought and command them to be brought into captivity, subjection unto obedience to the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. All right. Compassion. Oh, I like that. I don't know who thought this thing up, but... I see that all over the place now. Somebody started doing it, and lo and behold, <laughs> I saw a picture the other night of some guy doing hand shadows, and it's like, wow, you can really do some cool stuff. It really looks like what he's trying to make it look like. Well, here, the shape is the heart, and that's where compassion uh, flows from is the heart. The funny, or not funny, interesting thing, I have to stop using that phrase. Funny thing is, it's an interesting thing to me, and I hope it's interesting to you. I've been reading a book by a neuroscientist, uh, and the title of the book is How God Changes Your Brain. And this doctor and co-author is a um, therapist of some sort that can actually do brain scans and they've done studies, and this book is, uh, I believe, at least 10 years old. So I know they've done more research since then. But they can do brain scans and see which part of the brain is working while you're doing certain tasks. And what's so amazing to me is they found out, no matter what religion you are, the more you concentrate on God, the more you pray, it changes your brain so that you can be more compassionate and caring for other people. Isn't that amazing? Science has proven God. Hallelujah. You pray and God changes you, changes the way you think, changes the way you feel, and changes the way we act. Hallelujah. So we are going to be looking at compassion this morning. We'll begin with this verse, uh, Matthew chapter 9, verses 35 through 38, talking about Jesus. Let's see. Is this red button the laser, Pastor Wayne? Uh, the very top button, I believe. The top one? Hmm. I don't want to turn it off. <laughs> there we go. There's the laser. Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed. Anybody ever feel harassed? This morning I got up uh, kind of early, but then the time got away from me, and next thing you know, oh my God, I'm running late again. Got running out of the house and get in the car, start driving. I forgot my glasses. <laughs> forgot my phone. Oh. There's so many days that I, I wake up feeling, man, I feel harassed. Anybody ever feel harassed? Like there's so much to do and not enough time to do it in. So I started reading another book 
about how, <laughs> how to get things done. <laughs> I also have a book on procrastination. <laughs> but that's on the shelf. <laughs> I started reading it, but I never finished it. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm confessing today. <laughs> but Jesus knows and he sees that when we're harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd, said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest. Notice, the harvest is the Lord's. Hallelujah. To send out laborers into his harvest. Praise God. Chapter 9 of Matthew's gospel is a tremendous uh, chapter. It begins in verses 1 through 8. Jesus healing the paralyzed man. They, they brought him in, and in one of the accounts, they pull the tiles off and tear apart the roof. I mean, what would you think if you're sitting there in your house, Jesus is in your living room, and there's a crowd of people around, and somebody goes up on your roof and starts tearing it apart. What are you doing? My insurance won't cover that. <laughs> don't worry, don't worry, we'll fix it. Because they were so desperate and harassed, if you will, that they let this guy down, they brought him in on his own bed. He couldn't walk. He's paralyzed. And Jesus says, be of good cheer. Your sins are forgiven you. And electricity goes around the room. Whoa! Only God can forgive sins. What's this guy saying? Who is this guy think he is? And Jesus, knowing their thoughts, he says, ah, well, just to show you guys that I know what I'm talking about, get up and walk. What's easier to say? Your sins are forgiven or get up and walk? And to prove that he is who he says he is, the guy gets up and walks home. Praise God. Blows everybody's minds. And the Bible specifically says that they marveled. This is amazing. Can you picture this in your mind? Somebody going to the hospital and getting the hospital bed and wheeling him out and wheeling him to church. And he gets healed and gets out of the bed. That's what it would be like today. Hallelujah. That would be marvelous. That would be something to be amazed about. Hallelujah. In chapter 9, verses 9 through 13, uh, Jesus calls Matthew, Levi, the tax collector. They go to his house for dinner. He calls his friends in, and they, they get criticized. Jesus is eating with tax collectors and sinners. Oh, anybody ever <laughs> try to tell somebody, you know, Jesus died for your sins? And they go, ha, oh, I'm not a sinner. <laughs> I've had that happen to me as well. No. Well, the Bible says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There's none righteous, no, not one. Jesus died for your sins. No matter how few or many they are, Jesus died for them all. Hallelujah. And then Jesus says, you know, <clears throat> you guys can criticize me all you want, but people who are sick need the doctor. Hallelujah. And I'm the doctor, Jesus said. Just and he's, in addition to that, why don't you go and read your Bible where it says in Hosea chapter 6, verse 6, I desire mercy, which is another word for compassion and not sacrifice. Sacrifice is good. It's good to give things up uh, for the kingdom of heaven and to do things for other people. But what God is really looking for is our motivation, our, our compassion, our love, our mercy for other people. Then in verse 18, 
through 26, the ruler of the synagogue comes and says, my daughter has died. Come and touch her and, you, and she'll come back to life. And on the way, there's a big crowd. And this is where the woman with the issue of blood comes and touches Jesus' hem of his garment. And she's instantaneously healed. They get to the, uh, they get to the uh, ruler's house and everyone's there weeping. They had professional mourners there making all kinds of noise. And, and Jesus says, oh, stop, stop, stop. She's just asleep. And they start laughing at him. He says, all right, all right, everybody out, 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 out. They all get out. And he goes in and he touches the little girl. First the woman touched Jesus. Then he touches the little girl and she comes back to life. And what's so interesting to me about that story is that the little girl was 12 years old and this woman had the issue of blood for 12 years. And both were based on touch from God and faith. <clears throat> then he leaves there in chapter 9, verse 27, verse 31. Two blind men crying out to Jesus, touch us, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on us. And he asked them, do you believe I can do this? And they said, sure, we heard, I'm sure. They heard about other things that Jesus had done. And Jesus touched them, and they received their sight. He goes from there in verses 32 through 34. They bring him a, a, a man who's demon-possessed, and he cannot speak, and Jesus casts out the demon. And he begins to speak, and he gets his voice. And the people once again marveled. And they have this uh, uh, saying at the end of verse 33, it was never seen like this in Israel. If those people could have remembered, you know, we've heard things of those type happening in the Old Testament. They didn't have the New Testament at that time, of course. But they knew that God does those kinds of things. And then Jesus sees all the people harassed, and he has compassion on them. And this word in the Greek, Gesundheit, this word in the Greek is a, I don't know how you pronounce it, but it's a word that means your guts, your insides, your bowels. <clears throat> now, um, <clears throat> Not to be rude or anything, but when you move your bowels, something happens. There's action. Something goes, takes place. So when Jesus is moved, when he has his bowels moved, something within him, and this should be in us also when we see a situation where there's a need for the hand of God to touch, something inside of you should move you to action, which is why we give money to uh, Pastor Jack Harris, which is why we uh, try and tell people about Jesus. Be, uh, there's a, a guy that stands on the same corner every day. Some days he's not there, uh, but I, I see him all the time, and he's, we kind of got a kinship because he got a long beard like mine. <laughs> and, uh, and I stop, and sometimes I get the red light, and sometimes uh, I, I don't have time to stop, but I talk to him. I've given him food. I, I've given him, God told me, you got some money, give it to him. Okay. When you see these homeless people, and half of them are they may be demon-possessed, it's hard to say, but so many of them look like they're lunatics, walking around, filthy clothes, talking to themselves. How does your heart feel when you see them, people? Sometimes I see, I see them, and it's obvious that they're healthy enough to go 
work. Sometimes I see them, and as one fella told me, <laughs> guy's healthy enough to, you know, hunt bears with a stick, and he wants money from me. Why don't you just go get a job? It's hard to say what the situation is, and it's not up to us to really judge. If God moves on you to go talk to that person, do so. There was a fella down on Grant Road on I-10, and I get off the freeway, and I'm sitting there watching. He's got a crutch. He walks down the way. Nobody gives him any money. He gets to the end of the line of cars, picks the crutch up, and walks off. <laughs> I was like, I think that guy was scamming. <laughs> There's another time I pulled over, and I go to give this guy a bottle of nice cold water, and he starts yelling at me because there's a guy on the other side of the street that I didn't see in a wheelchair because he's missing the leg. Said, well, you don't want the water? Okay, I didn't see the guy over there. But there's places that they can go to get some help if they want. Amen. Praise God. But the point is this. In it literally means, according to Strong's Dictionary, to have something inside of you yearn to want to do something to help. Hallelujah. It produces an action. In first John, John's first letter, verse 3, or chapter 3, verse 17, says these words, Whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shut up, shuts up his heart, or in the King James, his bowels of mercy. How does the love of God dwell in that person? Praise God. The good thing is that this is something that God can do for us and put in us. Like I'd said, how God changes your brain the more you pray. Because when we pray, it's not all about gimme, gimme, gimme. My name is Jimmy. It's not about, remember the old uh, uh, confess it and possess it? There's some truth to that, but it's not all about you and I. It's about the kingdom of God. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Praise God. The two blind men healed. Wouldn't that be marvelous? I mean, uh, I wear glasses, and, and uh, they're not perfect, but praise God. It would be so wonderful to be able to see perfectly clear. I don't know how the guys were blinded. Maybe they were born blind. Maybe they got uh, injured. Maybe they had a disease. Who knows? But the fact of the matter is that they were blind and Jesus opened their eyes and they could see. What a blessing. There was a, uh, you know, just as an illustration to be able to see, there's a, um, uh, I was watching uh, the, uh, the, the place up in Vegas where people bring the stuff in and they try to sell it. And uh, this guy brings in a painting by um, uh, Claude Monet. And it looks, looks like a Claude Monet painting. Got us. Really, he, so Rick calls somebody to come take a look at it. Yeah, it looks like one. They even got some paperwork here. It's insured for $2.7 million. So then they say, you know what? Let's call in one more expert. So the one more expert comes in, and he gets out his magnifying glass, and he starts looking at it, and he says, first of all, Claude Monet put a lot more color in his paintings than this one has. Second of all, this painting should be 150 years old, and he gets his uh, little thing, and he starts looking at it, and he says, some of this paint should be cracked if it's 150 years old. And there is not one crack in any of this paint, and I hate to tell you this, but this is a fake. $2.7 million just poof, disappeared like that because somebody was able to see. 
Hallelujah. Aren't you glad that God is able to see no matter what the, 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 all the stuff that's on us, all the, the baggage that we've accumulated over the years, that God is able to look and see, ha, who is value in that person. Every single one of us has extreme value, so much so that God sent his only son to die for our sins. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad for that? Hallelujah. And by the way, after chapter 9, Jesus sends out the 12 disciples. Glory to God. And they go out and they do the work of God. And in chapter 9 of Luke and chapter 10 of Luke, he sends 70 of them out and they come back rejoicing. Man, the kingdom of God's moving. God's doing great things. Even the demons are subject to us. And Jesus says, you know, that's pretty cool. But what's really great is that your names are written in heaven. Rejoice over that. Hallelujah. In Matthew chapter 15, Jesus has compassion on the crowd. This is the feeding of the 5,000. Jesus, uh, the Bible says, he's moved with compassion because they've been with us out here for like three days and they don't have nothing to eat and it's kind of far to the village and they're probably, anybody ever not eat for three days? <laughs> oh man, I tried doing that one summer when uh, it was uh, summertime and working in construction. I'll never do that again. <laughs> three days without food, just drinking water. And uh, uh, man, next time I'll wait till the winter time where it's not so hot. <laughs> anyway, three days, and then Jesus is moved with compassion. He says, you know what? I got an idea. And he does something about it, miraculously feeds the 5,000. Let's go to the next scripture. Luke chapter 10. This is the parable, and it's actually, I believe, not a parable because Jesus says, a certain man. And I read in one commentary that when Jesus uses that phrase, a certain person or a certain man, he's talking about some real individual, some factual uh, account that actually happened. And that's why he, according to the commentaries that I've read, it, he uses that phrase. And he talks about this Samaritan, who the Jewish people didn't like, of course, Long story. But in any event, he's, he's been robbed. He's been beaten. <laughs> Somebody posted on Facebook the other day, I got robbed at the gas station. When my hand stopped shaking, I was able to call the police. And they came and looked at my receipt. <laughs> he was robbed, he felt, because the gas prices were so high. But this is a real situation here, not just a joke. And this guy, the, <laughs> the man's beaten. And he's been beaten so bad that he can't get up. He's laying on the ground, and, he's, and, and it says that the, 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 the Pharisee passed by and the priest passed by. He said, whoa, I don't know what to do there. They didn't have 911 in those days, but they could have done something, but they didn't. But it says the Samaritan had compassion. Here's that word. He had compassion, went over, bound up his wounds, poured oil and wine, sent him on his own animal, and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And then he gives, tells the innkeeper, I'll be back. Here's some money to take care of him. If it costs you more, let me know. When I come back, I'll reimburse you. Glory to God. What a wonderful story. This is such a great thing that governments have made rules and laws called the Good Samaritan Laws. Isn't that awesome? God, the God of the Bible, is in our government. 
whether they like it or not. Hallelujah. Praise God. This is the question, who's my neighbor? The guy says, Jesus tells him, well, here's a story. Guess what? Who is the neighbor? And the lawyer who asked them the question, Jesus says, who's the neighbor now? And he says, well, I suppose that he who showed mercy on him. And Jesus tells him and us, go and do likewise. Have mercy. Don't do, <laughs> I heard one preacher tell me, or preaching one time, he says, you know, I heard about this guy, he was in a hurry, I guess he was harassed, and he opened his Bible and just pointed his finger for a verse for the day, verse devotion, and oh, Judas went and hung himself, I don't like that one, so he <laughs> turns the page and points his finger and it goes to, go and do likewise, oh, I think I better study more, the guy says, <laughs> Come and do likewise. But this is serious. God, Jesus is telling us to have mercy and compassion on people. In Luke chapter 7, verse 13, Jesus is going to the city of Nain. And as they're going into the city, out of the city comes a funeral procession. And it says a large crowd followed. It was a, it was a widow woman and her only son was ta being taken out to be buried. And Jesus had compassion on her. And he walks up to her and he says, don't cry. And he raises her son from the dead. There was no social security back then. There was no support groups. It just blows my mind that it says there were, excuse me, a large crowd from the city. Wasn't there anyone in that crowd that would have adopted this woman and brought her into their family and taken care of her? It doesn't say. But Jesus tells her, don't cry, and gives her her son back. Hallelujah. Glory to God, because he had compassion. He did something. The next verse, Hebrews chapter 5, verse 12. Whoops, wrong one. <laughs> oh, it should have been chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. I forgot the dash. <laughs> Hallelujah. It's talking about the earthly high priests. Hallelujah. The earthly high priests who were chosen by God, this was the big, big, big shot in those days. Hallelujah. They were chosen by God and appointed by God. And they didn't, and they were not supposed to let the position go to their head and say, yeah, I'm the big shot, and you guys got to bow to me, and I get to tell everybody what to do. This man was supposed to have the attitude that I am the representative and the go-between between the people of God and God himself. Hallelujah. And in verse 2, it says uh, that this man in that position should have compassion on the people understanding that he himself was imperfect, hallelujah, and that he himself is also subject to the same weaknesses that those people have. He can deal gently, it says. Thank you, Pastor Wayne. Every high priest, he's appointed to act on behalf. He can deal gently. This in the New King James is he can have compassion on the ignorant and wayward. He himself is beset with weaknesses. 
But the definition of this word compassion is very interesting. In the Greek, this is the only place in the Strong's Concordance where it indicates that this word is used. And it's the Greek word, I think I'm pronouncing it right, metriopatheo. Now, if you know anything about Greek, theo is God in Greek, T-H-E-O. This word particularly means to treat gently to act in with moderation, to bear with each person according to their weakness, their ignorance, and circumstances. And it also means to pity, but it doesn't mean to pity in a way that, oh, this is terrible, you poor, poor thing, but there's nothing I can do about it. It means to pity them and to encourage them and to lift them up, hallelujah, and to help them love God and get right with God and stay right with God. Isn't it a wonderful thing that God knows everything about us and he still loves us? He knows our thoughts. Hallelujah. He knows our intentions and our motivations and he still loves us. Praise God. Hallelujah. Exodus chapter 33 verse 19. God is talking to Moses and Moses says, God, I want to see you. And, Moses, and God says, well, you can't see my face, but I'll show you my backside. <laughs> and I'm going to pass by. And you're going to see my glory. And the Bible says that God says, this is my name. I'm the one who have compassion on whomever I want to. Mercy in the King James. Compassion in the old King James, it says, I will show compassion on whom I will show compassion. Hallelujah. If you read Deuteronomy chapter 13 and chapter 30, God says, you know what? <clears throat> I know that everyone's not going to serve me. I know that the Israelites are going to backslide. They'll go and serve other gods, and the curses that have been pronounced uh, will come upon them, and they'll be scattered to all the nations of the world. But in chapter 13 and verse 30, he's, God says, irregardless of that, I will have compassion on them and bring them back to the promised land. And we've seen that to a degree, uh, actually a very, very good degree, that Israel has become a nation again. Hallelujah, that God has brought them back. Hosea chapter 2, verse 23, quoted in Romans chapter 9, verse 25, it says, I will call them my people, who were not my people, talking about the Gentiles, and we'll call her loved, who is not beloved. Also, if you know anything about Hosea, he, God told him to marry a prostitute, and uh, she was unfaithful to him. And uh, this was an illustration of how the people of Israel were treating God, and she gets uh, sold as a slave, and God tells him, go buy her back. And, she, and he does. And he, God tells him, this is how you people treat me, and this is how I'm going to treat you. I'll buy you back. I'll take you back. Glory to God. Isn't that a wonderful thing? That no matter what, we can always turn to God. We can always seek His face and His presence. We can always be accepted by Him because of the blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. It literally means in this verse, in Deuteronomy chapter 13 and 30 also, it means to love, to have pity. Hallelujah. God is the source 
of mercy. You cannot, here it says, I will be gracious, glory to God. You can't buy God's grace. You can't earn God's grace. It's freely given to us. Grace, hallelujah, grace upon grace. Where sin abounds, grace so much more abounds. And then we will close with 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 8. Now notice it says here, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love. And this word in the old King James is compassion. And brotherly love is to love the brethren. Does anybody know offhand <clears throat> what chapter 3 is about? This is God's marriage counseling chapter, chapter 3 of First Peter. So you'll notice he uses this phrase, brotherly love. What it literally is talking about is love amongst the brethren. In God's eyes, there's no difference between men and women. Hello? In God's eyes, there's no difference between men and women. We're equal. Hallelujah. I know that's kind of radical, and I know it's kind of... <laughs> In uh, most people's minds, preposterous. No, no, no. <laughs> Women and men do not think the same. That's true. <laughs> but in God's eyes, we're equal. And this is God's marriage counseling. This word having compassion or, being, or having sympathy is the Greek word sympathy, sympathies or something like that. It means to be sympathetic. It means to have equally shared feelings and affections. It means to share our feelings and emotions, praise God. We're to be courteous and humble and, and pitiful. Not that we're pitiful, but we're supposed to have pity on others. And especially in the most uh, closest relationship that anyone can have on earth is a marriage. That's where it should be uh, expressed the most. There are lots of differences between men and women. Lots of them. I even saw a picture of a brain scan. A woman and a man thinking about the same thing. The woman and the man use different circuits. They don't think the same. Anybody ever have a, a conflict with your spouse trying to communicate? What do you, say? What do you mean? I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, oh. <laughs> so, let us not let that you know, blow up into a, I'm never speaking to you for a week. <laughs> you can't understand. Compassion, have mercy on each other. Be humble, be courteous. I was reading uh, an article by uh, Rick Renner, and he said when he first got married, him and his wife got into this big argument about some nonsense, and, and he couldn't figure out what she was talking about, and he, she couldn't figure out, and he says uh, uh, he got so mad, he stormed out of the house, and, and as he's out there, God speaks to him and says to him, <clears throat> would you speak like that to any of the other women in the church? I said, no, I wouldn't. Then God says, don't talk to your wife like that. <laughs> and I read that, and I said, oh, man, okay, God. <laughs> I'm convicted, God. Thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> Praise God. We're, we're supposed to have compassion. Glory to God on one another. And then we'll close. This is not on my verses here, but in Jude chapter 22 in the old King James, it says, on others have mercy, making a difference, have compassion on them. 
glory to God. The point of this is that when we express compassion, it makes a difference in people's lives. Hallelujah. Isn't it, wouldn't it be great if all day long we were able to you know, be kind and courteous to people? We had to be careful, though, because Jesus said that uh, you're the salt of the earth. He didn't say you're the sugar of the earth. <laughs> and I don't know about you, but there's some people that I talk to about Jesus, and they just, <laughs> it's like, don't talk to me about Jesus. You can talk about God sometimes, but don't want to hear about Jesus. But it's our <laughs> responsibility. It's our, our, hopefully, it's our goal to win people to Jesus and, and find a way to get the conversation around to, you need Jesus. Amen? And others have mercy and compassion. Make a difference. Not only can we make a difference just with our words and the way we speak, but with our actions. Hallelujah. So praise God as we close this morning in prayer. This is a day of rejoicing because this nine years already, whew, it just flies by. But praise God, God's not done with us yet. <clears throat> Even though we know that Jesus could come back any moment, let's just keep working because God's got good things in store. This never know when, when the end's going to come, so might as well be ready, number one. And as Jesus said, occupy till I come. Stay busy in the kingdom of heaven.